Okay, listeners, I am so excited about this episode. I know that you are going to learn a lot and enjoy hearing the story of Carrie, not Callie, Carrie Mori, who is the founder and CEO of Callie's Hot Little Biscuit. If you have not had their biscuits, what in the world are you doing with your life? Um, you're going to fall in love with her and run out to your local grocery store and grab them right away. I'm certain of it. So welcome, Carrie. I'm so excited that you're here. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for asking. How fun. So tell us, if you will, in a rather short synopsis, um, if you can, um, Mm -hmm. about your journey in entrepreneurship. When did you start the business? Well, I started the business in 2005. And I always like to say that I am somewhat of an accidental entrepreneur. I don't think that I had this grand plan to be where we are today uh, and really was more looking for a way to be a mom and have a side hustle and fuel my creative energy, I guess is the best way to describe it. You know, I knew that I wanted to be a present mom, like be at home with my girls, not have a bunch of nannies. But I also had a ton of energy and really was passionate about food and wanted to figure out a way to have something that I could do and have that balance, you know, as a mom. And so I started out with not really a great business plan. It was an idea to take my mom's country ham, my mom is Callie, my mom's country ham biscuits and sell them in a mail order business, only exclusively online, which if you think about it in 2005 it was a horrible idea. First of all, not many people know what country ham is. And second of all, you know, in 2005, nobody was buying biscuits online. So the fact that I have gotten to where we are today is um, it's, it's, it's a miracle. <laughs> and I just always tell people if I can do this, anybody can, because I never set out to, to have a business um, with with so many dimensions, so many products, and you know, if I can say it without sounding obnoxious, success. So I'm I'm just as surprised as as everybody else is, but very very excited. And and now I really am looking forward to um, continuing to grow it. It's just it's been it's been so fun, and I've gotten to do exactly what I wanted to do. I've the business has grown as my children have grown, and and I've done it slow and steady and on my terms and. While that might not be for everybody, it has certainly been great for me. Yeah, I think um, following your passion and building it the way that you want should be for everyone, right? Whatever your path looks like will be different, but it should always be exactly in the method that makes you the happiest. So I love that you did that. Um, if we can talk about numbers for a second, if you don't mind. So obviously, you know, first year is always a struggle, but kind of generally, do you remember what your first year revenue was? I have no idea. (laughs) If you ask me what my revenue was for this year, I don't have any idea. I mean, I probably could get that number, but I, you know, I don't 
I've never, it's never been about the money for me, except that I wanted to make sure I wasn't losing money. And of course, I definitely want to make money, but it's always been more about my lifestyle and building a brand and something that I authentically, truly believed in. Um, I know that I'm getting to a point in the business where that will be more important um, because as we scale and try to take on bigger partners and and grow, that is going to be important. But, you know, I we took out a loan in the very beginning and it took us two years to pay it off, which I was super proud of. It, it, almost to the date, two years to pay it off. And then we wrote each other a very small check because in the very beginning, my mom started the business with me, but then she got out. And then every year from that point on, we have grown um, anywhere from 10 to 37, 40%. Um, but you know, I wouldn't even begin to tell you what our revenues were in, in any of the years, to be honest, which is horrible. Why I'm not, a, I'm not the, uh, the entrepreneur that most people, um, I don't know. I'm just not, that's just not something I'm focused on. Um, Actually, I love that you are sharing that because I do work with a lot of creatives and you're a very creative person. And I think that anyone that works in the kitchen is definitely has a really, truly creative heart behind all of it. And um, it's nice to hear that you've created the success that you have without changing who you are. And that's a lot of what I hear you saying is that I maintained... um, the focus on what I loved. And that's what I'm always encouraging clients to do is stay in your zone of genius and then outsource the rest and bring on other people who can live in that area. And, you know, I think that too many female entrepreneurs hold themselves back from scaling under the misinformation or misconception that they would have to lose all of the fun, creative side of things. And so I think it's great exactly what you're saying that you haven't. Yeah, you know, and and somebody said to me the other day, and this is probably a famous quote, and I just missed it. um, There's no traffic in your lane. If you stay in your lane, there's no traffic. And so I've really tried hard to stay in my lane. Um, And and numbers is not my lane. Now, I like to look at the bottom line. And like I said, I mean, I, I never bought anything or gave myself money until we had it, right? So every bit of money goes back and reinvests into the company. And and my thought process in that is I love to work. I don't plan on going anywhere. I don't have another gig. This is my only hustle. And one day it will pay off. And that is what I'm betting on is that, you know, one day there will be a, a much greater payoff. But right now I just want to concentrate on building it and growing it and seeing where we can go. Um, I always say that that is, it, it really is that you're betting on yourself. And, yeah. um, and that's what I love about what you're saying as well, is that, you know, you're never going to give up on mm. where you're headed or the vision for the company. And it sounds like you have a pretty clear vision of where you want to take it. So over the next five years, if I could give you fairy dust and you could take it exactly where you want it to go, where would that be? You know, I've, I want to be the premier biscuit company in America. I want it to be, um, you know, I, I used to think I didn't want to sell it and that I wanted my children to have it. But I truly believe that 
in order for them to live the lucky life that I have and they need to find their own passion. And I want them to, to do what they want to do, not what their mom did. And so for me, I, I would like to sell it one day. I would like to grow it and sell it and still be a part of it and be a part of continuing to build the brand. Um, and I don't think I've ever said that um, publicly to anyone. So there you go. Ooh, got the scoop. I love yeah. it. Um, you know, uh, having that ultimate vision is what gives you such clarity as a creative yeah. as well, because so many ideas, I would imagine, come in and out of your head all the time, um, which is the benefit of being a really creative person. Um, so, you know, as you kind of look back, um, what were some things that you tried and maybe didn't go the way that you wanted and you let go of? And what were some things that, you know, you tried and maybe surprised you that did go well? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember in the first five years, we would have these periods where it'd be so slow, so slow that I couldn't even employ people, you know, more than like 10 or 15 hours a week, bakers. And so I came up with the great idea to have camp baking camp, which I thought was great. I didn't want to run it, but I thought my bakers would like the hours. And it just, it was a flop. It, we couldn't get it to, to take off. But what came out of that, and it took, it took another six or seven years to evolve, was biscuit classes. And now that is something that is so popular. And that, doing that, made us realize that biscuit mix was really a viable product that I would have never thought people would have cared about. And it is our number two best-selling product. So had we not gone down that path of exploration of the kids camp to the biscuit classes to now the biscuit mix, I mean, those things are two big, very popular, not only products that we sell, but they're brand builders, right? So um, it all tells the story and, and all has a has a special place. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I love that. It is such a trial and error, right? Um, we were talking this morning on our revenue accelerator call about a lot about sales and your your pipeline and how so much of it is test and right rework and then test again and then rework it again and test again. And and you just forever are doing that as business continues to evolve. Um totally. So um, I'm curious where in your journey uh, became the strategy to open a brick and mortar location, um, because a lot of it seems to be based upon the growth of the wholesale accounts and even direct to consumer. But you do have a brick and mortar location in Charleston, downtown on King Street, prime real estate. Um, is tell me the strategy behind that and um, what kind of is your intent behind that to support the overall brand? So the strategy was I listened to a get a speaker from a head of marketing for Stonewall Kitchens. And this was years and years ago. And they said, you know, everybody knows and I didn't know, everybody knows that our brick and mortars are brick and mortars, um, these stores like William Sonoma locations, they don't make any money. They're just marketing tools. I didn't know that. 
And so that's when my wheels started turning that. And I would go on, on a book tour um, and people would say, well, when I come to Charleston, where can I get your biscuits hot? And I didn't have a solution for that. So I'm a, I'm a solutions kind of person being an entrepreneur. I'm like, well, where can I get it hot? And so then I went to all my chef friends in Charleston and I said, you need to put my biscuits on the menu and none of them would. And so I said, well, if I could find a tiny sliver of a space and open up a biscuit shop, and this is before there were biscuit shops. Now there are biscuit shops in every city all over the country. My thought was this could be a great marketing tool because nobody knew about Cali's biscuits because it, we didn't have a brick and mortar. So we didn't have anything to touch and feel and taste and look. And so for me, it wasn't let's have a restaurant concept. It was let's have something that can, uh, market and advertise the online and the wholesale business. And luckily for me, it did that. But it also I had no idea that we would have such great reception and have people line up to to eat our biscuits. I mean, I'm still blown away and so grateful. So that was an unbelievable surprise. And and really, really nice. And it does. And, and they all feed each other, right? So, you know, people come in, they get a biscuit, and then they come home and they start thinking about the biscuits, and then they get online and they order or they go to their grocery store and they request. So it worked, but it was, it wasn't how much money can I make opening this brick and mortar? It was how many transactions do I have to have to break even, not make money, but to break even. And most people don't open a restaurant to do that. <laughs> Again, not focused on money. Not, not my best quality. But you were focused again, though, on your long-term vision. And because you had clarity there, you were willing to take some risks along the way. And you knew that you would have to test some things out in order to be able to create that brand growth that you ultimately want to have. So, yeah. um, you know, I think to go back to your point about you weren't focused on the money, I think too often we can trip ourselves up when we're too focused on the money because we tend to hold back on risk because yeah. we can't guarantee that it will be highly profitable and that we can't guarantee that the classes will work or the retail will work. And so we don't do it at all. And that is where the innovation ends up coming from is the risk most of mm -hmm. the time. Um, and, you know, some of them pay off and some of them don't. But when we're not 100% every time tied entirely to the bottom line, then we can learn a few things along the way. Um, yeah. Boy, have you guys. Um, but I love this idea, too, of using it as a marketing tool. Um, you know, it's it's something that I think a lot of brands are really realizing as they go direct to consumer. Um, and I'm curious, um, just you are increasing your wholesale accounts and beginning to sell more, but is the desire to continue to grow that direct-to-consumer business and the expectation that the more you grow the brand, the more that direct-to-consumer will grow? Yes. I, you know, I've never been one to focus on one area and, you know, people say, oh, you're so diversified. As a, as if that was a bad thing, I I think it's a great thing, and thank God I I have been because I would have been leveled in the pandemic had I not been. So I'm very grateful for that. But that's also a, a characteristic of a creative. Like I want to do this, I want to do this. I'm shiny new things. Like my husband's like, 
you've got to stop. Like what's going on? You've got to, you know, this, 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 but that's, that's just my personality. And, but for the first time in my 16 years with Callie's, I am super focused on growing the wholesale, growing the e-commerce and holding back on the brick and mortars, mainly because it's a product of where we are in in our country right now, labor is horrible. You know, we, we're still recovering from the, from the pandemic, but I also know what I'm good at and I'm not good at picking locations, nor am I good at running restaurants because that's just not my thing. So I want to grow that area of the business, but I want to do it with a partner um, that is an expert in that field and maybe in a few years, not right now. So I'm really, I really want to, keep what I can touch, which is my Charleston stores and my Atlanta stores that are running well and, and let somebody else come in and help me grow that other side. Cause I do think it has legs, um, to be in many, many places, but, um, I'm not the one to take it there. <laughs> so it sounds to me like while you claim you're not focused, it sounds like you're extraordinarily focused because a lot of people will see the opportunity for growth in a particular area and they believe if I don't pursue it now, then it will never happen. Or if I don't pursue it now, right, the opportunity will be lost. And I love that you're saying, yes, this is a viable growth opportunity for us, but I don't have to do it all right this second. I can know that this one is on the horizon eventually and pay attention to what I have here now. And um you know, that is a really well thought out strategy, right? The the marketing and the acquisition of the customer through your brick and mortar, brick and mortar, and then um, how it takes them through the customer journey right to circling back to you. Um, probably at the end of the day, it's cheaper than a Facebook ad. The rent even on King Street is cheaper than a Facebook ad can be with less guaranteed return, I would imagine too. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that way, but it definitely is. And I happen, you know, our King Street location was an alley that they walled in. <laughs> so it's eight feet wide by 80 feet long. And we signed that lease. We got really lucky with the timing. So we aren't paying them the, the typical King Street rent. Thank you. Thank goodness. And, you know, when we moved into that Upper King location, we were we were the only ones up there. Nobody was up there. Now everybody's up there. So um, we just got really lucky with space and timing. I remember that. Are you running your business like a marathon at sprint speed, but never getting anywhere? Take back control of your business with the BRIMS Revenue Accelerator Program and let expert business coach Sally Holder run alongside you each step of the way. Our new program provides you the tools, strategies, and support you need to increase your revenue and create impactful growth. To get started earning more in considerably less time, follow us on Instagram at The Brim. That's T-H-E underscore B-R-I-M-M. And direct message us revenue to find out if this is the right fit for you and your business. Hey, listeners. We are excited to announce the third annual BRIM Retreat is happening April 25th through the 27th in Greenville, South Carolina. If you haven't heard, the BRIM Retreat is a three-day event led by Sally Holder for entrepreneurs from across the country who are looking to connect, learn, and grow their business. 
The retreat is full of opportunities to work and learn alongside industry experts and special guest speakers like Jesse Randall, founder of Loeffler Randall, and Carmion Hamilton, winner of HGTV's Design Star, Next Gen. It's truly an inspiring lineup with more being added daily. To get your spot, visit us at growwiththebrim.com to sign up today. Only a few tickets left, so don't miss out. And so talk to me if you can, because everyone, right, it's focused on e-com right now. Obviously, it's the easiest way to be able to reach their customer since not everyone is in person. So, you know, what tips do you have for our listeners on increasing your online business? Um, You know, what strategies do you like? What do you feel like has worked for you guys? Um, you know, I've talked a great deal, um, with my clients about, right. The traditional ADA, um, model of sales, like building awareness and then taking them to interest and decision and then finally action. Um, so I'm so curious how you drive that awareness to, to your site too. Well, you may not believe this, but, um, we just started advertising. Um, within the last seven months. <laughs> okay, no, I love this, Carrie. I love, guys, can we talk about the fact that she has a multi-million dollar business and she just started advertising seven months ago because mm-hmm. everyone is under the misconception that that is the only way to build a business or it is the most sure-fired. And I tell them it's actually the riskiest. So yeah. because you don't own it. So right. And you got to find the right partner. And I, I think that we have a, a great company, but I just, because I didn't know a lot about it, I'm like, I'm not willing to put that kind of money into it until we get a really understand and have a marketing team in-house that can track it, educate me on it. And uh, I'm glad we're doing it now, but we also work really hard on the customer service side um, and, and from, and from the very beginning, the win back side on abandoned cart orders have been incredibly, um, profitable for us to, to capture that customer going back to them, making sure they didn't have a checkout issue and reminding them. And, uh, we see a lot of success there. Um, you know, I just think it's going the extra mile. It's it, once you get a customer keeping them and going out of your way, doing whatever you can um, has always been our goal and our, our motto from the very beginning we do whatever it takes to make the cu- customer happy, no matter what. And I think that says a lot, you know, um, we, we've never been pushy about it, which is, you know, we maybe we could have been a lot bigger earlier, but we just never have felt um, it, it never felt right. So uh, we're excited. We're excited about the growth potential with advertising, but we're taking it slow and um, being very mindful about it and um, really understanding what that profit margin is, which I think is a lot a lot of times overlooked. You see, oh, I spent this and I made this. Well, have you factored in what is your profit margin and and make sure that you're making money because you can, you know, you can get into trouble. It's easy to spend a lot of money online and, you know, you want to find new people to bring to your site, you know, 
And that's just as important as making sure you take care of your current customers. So true. Yeah. I mean, it's 60% more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to serve and upsell the current customers that you have. Um, And Mm -hmm. so definitely looking at how you can ensure that they keep coming back and um, the frequency with which your customers purchase is one of the most critical ways that you can increase your overall revenue. And um, that has nothing to do with acquiring a new customer and nothing to do with social media. Um, So um, I love that those strategies are working. I love that you also brought up the abandoned cart as well, um, because that is a strategy that um, I I do find works for many of our clients. And yet, um, and it is a rather simple um, adjustment, especially if you have a Shopify website to put into your arsenal. So highly recommend for any of you guys that are looking to increase your e-com. Um, it does not mean just increase your budget. Um, I always say too, like, let's make sure all of the foundational pieces that accelerate your revenue are taken care of and working really well before we attempt to turn up the volume. And by turning up the volume, I mean, pour a massive amount of people into your funnel. You want to ensure that they can go through it really strategically and that it takes them where you want them to go. And that too is a big part of what I'm hearing from you is that, we wanted to make sure our customer service was right, our strategies, our, you know, the results that our customers were experiencing were all in line before we then wanted to pour a lot of fuel on that fire. And, um, you know, boy, has it paid off. Well, we do feel like it is, is paying off. And, you know, just little things like we make everything by hand. So before we advertise, we better make sure that we can fulfill And um, we started using a fulfillment center. Thank goodness we would not have made it through Christmas this year without without that. And I just kept thinking, are we big enough for this? I just don't know. This seems um, I'm so glad we did it. And now, you know, it's endless, the possibility. So that's really fun, too. I'm sure that was a big jump for you, right? The Yes, the move to a fulfillment center. So can you tell them about some of your hesitations and thought process? Because I want more listeners to hear, like, no matter where you are in business, there are always fears, right? There are always concerns and risks and all of those things. And it's not as though suddenly someone gets a magic switch and is like, oh, I know everything, how to work it all perfectly now. No. Oh my gosh. And you go through these periods in the business. And right now I'm in, I'm in the, like I always say, we're in pluff mud. I can't move forward because we're in this place where so many things need to fall into place before. And I can't grow until I get past this hurdle. Um, And I'm a problem solver. So when I can't solve a problem, I feel very um, unsuccessful and it is a, it's tough. It is, it's not a good place to be, but I think as you get bigger, the problems get bigger and you, it takes longer to solve the the problem. So, um, it's not as fulfilling. You know, I always say it's like, I'm, this is why I love vacuuming because it's immediate gratification and I can see it and it's done and I feel so good and I've done it and I've checked off my list. And as you get bigger, 
um, vacuuming is just not something that you can do anymore. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. If I could, I want to ask you now a little bit about your calendar and your schedule, because I'm so curious about where you're spending your time, something that I've seen lately really come on my radar from a lot of female entrepreneurs that are in that seven figure range. Um, and even frankly, men as, as well, um, right? Failing to embody that CEO role and tending to want to live in the minutia of the day-to-day -day because that is frankly what we're used to. And oftentimes it comes with more immediate gratification. We get to check a box, right? Ideating about the next visionary strategy that's going to make a million dollars. That takes a little more time than, mm -hmm. you know, um, send an email or clean up the computer. So, um, if you could, what does a normal week look like for you? And kind of what are some of those CEO-like um, actions that you engage in? On, on a normal week, I, I'm pretty regimented. I, I get up early before my kids get up and I exercise. And that's kind of my, my meditation, my grounding space, the kind of the way I start my day. And then I usually start every day by hitting all of my places of business. Um, for me, it's super important to be um, very present for my employees. I love to know them. I want to know about them. I want them to know I care. I want to hear if there's a problem. Um, so I check in with our hot little biscuits. I go to catering at least a couple times a week. Right now we're very disjointed because we're growing and we don't have a space big enough for everybody to be. So our offices are in one place, our productions in one place, our caterings in one place, and then I go to the the, the biscuit shops. Um, so I'm tr I try to spend you know 15 minutes even in all of those spaces Monday through Friday, and then once my you know visits are done, then I go to my office and. I get a debrief from our director of operations and, you know, then I'm starting to do my to-do list, whether it is building the brand or podcast or um, working on a new project, which is what I've been working hard on right now. Um, you know, but I leave every day my office in time to get my kiddos from school. So my day doesn't end then, but it, then moves and shifts to home. And then I'm either in a car on a phone call with my kids, taking them to volleyball or whatever it is, and finishing up in time to get home and make dinner for our family. And then I really try to shut it off. Um, I've been trying in 2022 to not be on my phone after about 7 p.m. I might quickly check it, but um, that's my goal. I haven't been really great about that but i'm trying i try not to once i go to our bedroom at night not to have my phone um you know trying to 20 years of marriage trying to give everybody the attention they need you know so absolutely that's, that's typical and i used to i will say that up until about a year ago i was working seven days a week i would go to the stores on the weekends and just burning the candle at both ends and it's now I finally have some really great people that are running every division and it's made life so much easier, you know, when you get the right people on the bus. So um, hopefully that will continue. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, great, great book too, the energy bus. Um, yeah. So oh, love it. Read it love in like it. an hour. 
Yep, and I gave it to my down. HR director. I'm like, please read this. We need to do a a, folk, a day of, of this, like with our team. I love that book. So true. Um, so one, I want to say huge kudos to you. And uh, that, that was a planted question because I knew this about you already, uh, is that you have great boundaries, right? And that you have prioritized yourself, your family, your sanity um, without reservation. And I love that you do that. I applaud you for doing that. And I wanted other entrepreneurs to hear that too, is that you can create whatever business you can dream up um, as big as you would like it and still maintain those boundaries. Um, so yeah. many of us live in the world of either or, right? I will either have the successful business or I will have a family. And, you know, um, you've done both really well. So um, I love that. Um, and, so and it hasn't always been like that also, you know, there it ebbs and flows. So, you know, when I don't have a strong team, there are times when it, and I know that it's not all going to always be like that, but there have definitely been moments where it's like, yep, I don't trust and I need to be down at the stores and, and then I'll go a year without having to do that, which is really nice. So. Um, so that was going to be my next question is what does your team look like that supports you right now? Kind of what is your, um, most importantly, your kind of management staff, right? The, um, marketing sales, all of those kind of key people that you have in place. Um, and yeah, tell me about what roles they play. Uh, well, I have a director of operations that is kind of over everyone, and she reports directly to me. And she has no background for this. She is my best friend since uh, sophomore year of high school. And she started working for me uh, like four hours a week. And um, back in the day when we you know, had nothing going on. And I just wanted somebody that I could trust. And I said, you can't be a stay at home mom, you got to come work a couple hours a week for me. And it just slowly grew. And, you know, she's taught herself everything we, we both have, we both were education majors, elementary education majors. And so we've just learned really by mistakes. <laughs> um, so she is running the company now. And it is heavenly. She's, we share our brain. She's my best friend my work wife and she knows exactly how I would want it done. And she, I'm, I'm, she's really, she's really tough and I'm not as tough. And so we make a great team. Um, I come in and sprinkle sunshine and she's like, okay, but here's the reality. So it just works really well. Um, and she's very well respected and she understands the culture that I really want to have in the company and we're constantly working on. So that's super important. And that sets the tone because it's trickle down, right? So every, if you don't have the right leaders in place, then the people underneath them are never going to get um, what you, how you want your company to be run. So um, I'm very grateful for that. And that is most important. And then we've had, you know, periods where certain divisions underneath that haven't been um, that strong person, but it's that person that's, you know, it's like the boy. Friend. It's not the one forever, but it's the one that's going to get us through. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of when, when, when are we going to find that right person? But I have to say, we have been in a really good place for quite some time now, and I hope it continues. 
I love that. Um, so as you think through 2022, do you have any very specific, measurable, as I'm telling people all the time, smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-based things that are specific for you as the owner? Because most of us set a lot of goals around revenue and things that require the uh, contribution of so many people on the team and then us having to hold them accountable to that. But is there anything specifically for you as the leader that you're excited about doing, accomplishing um, information you want to gain this year? You know, I, I want to continue to grow financially. I have a number in my head, but I, and worried that it might be. It'll depend on whether or not we get this project that we've been working really hard on um, as to whether or not we hit that number. And it's probably the first time that I've ever had a financial goal in my head. But um, what I really want is to continue more of the same lifestyle. I have a daughter who's a senior in high school and she's going to college. And that's my number one focus. I want to make sure that I spend as much time with her and our other daughters and our family um, as possible. So if I can, in 2022, saying I feel really good about all the time and I didn't miss out on a moment, I'll be probably happier than I would if I reached the financial goal. So if I can get both of those, the financial goal and that, then it will be a banner year. I love it. Um, so if our listeners are wanting now and hopefully their mouths are watering, I highly recommend, obviously the cheese biscuits go with like, you know, everything and you're going to constantly eat them, but the cinnamon ones, Oh yeah, really like that's what makes my mouth water. So if someone wants to get some, where can they go? Callie'sBiscuits.com is the first place I would tell you to go. From there, you can order. Um, if you're in a town with a hot little biscuit, you can order online. You can have it delivered to your door. You can order our frozen biscuits, pimento cheese, and all the flavors shipped to your door. And you can also type in your zip code and find out what grocery store is closest to you to go buy them. So that is a great resource. And then if you're wanting to check us out on social media and see what we're doing and where we are. We post tons of recipes, not all biscuits um, at, at Carrie Bailey Mori for Instagram or at Callie's hot little biscuit. So that's another resource. Yes. And if they are looking to incorporate some new recipes into their life, I have a fantastic new cookbook that is sitting yes. out on my kitchen counter right now. Um, so tell us as we're finishing up a little bit about that, because it is a huge part of, of who you are and it is separate and apart from, from Callie's, but it's a big part of who you are. So just such a great, one of the many great surprises that you get as an entrepreneur, an opportunity to write one, really two now cookbooks, which I would have never, I have no business writing a cookbook. I don't have any classically trained chef, chefdom in my world, but I love to cook and I love to feed people and I love to entertain. And um, early on, I decided I'm going to share the food that I'm authentically cooking for my family as a way for me to give back to our customer base, because I was always asking them to buy stuff for me. So what can I give them? And so it seemed, it seemed to fit. And 
I, it just, it worked and I'm shocked. So we, our first cookbook, Callie's Biscuits and Southern Traditions, um, is, has sold over 25,000 copies. It's, it's in its second print. Um, it's a great classic Southern cookbook and has a chapter on biscuits. And then we just launched Hot Little Suppers, which is my baby. And it is the way that I cook every night of the week. So it's got Indian, it's Southern, it's Mexican, Italian, uh, Vietnamese-ish, all of the cuisines that we eat here. Uh, and I have, you know, a, a hungry family that is a great uh, sounding board for what is good and bad and what can make the cookbook or the blog. So um, I'm feeling really blessed to have realized a, a, another opportunity that I would have never thought that I'd have. That's amazing. Um, what I love about that, that I hope our listeners are taking away is that you serve your customer, right? You're still same core customer in a lot of different ways. And so it tells me that you know your customer inside and out, that you have given them a long customer journey that they can participate in with you. You know, if they're, you know, eating the biscuits, they can have them, as you said, delivered, give them as gifts, right? There's so many different oppor opportunities, <laughs> tripping over yeah. my words, for them to participate in your brand. And that is such a smart strategy and going to keep your customers long-term. So um, hopefully they heard that out of everything that you were saying too. Um, and I am so appreciative of your honesty and the way that you buck the system of what other people say has to be done, should be done to create massive success. You've done that your own way. so. Thank you for sharing your story of how you've made that happen with us. I am so honored. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is fun. I hope everyone will go to Callie's Hot Little Biscuit.com. It's actually just Callie's Biscuits.com. We figured okay, people Callie's would want to type in. Yeah. You can go to Callie's Hot Little Biscuit.com too. It'll take you to the same place, but Callie's Biscuits gets you there quicker. Okay, good. Um, yeah. So I hope you guys will go there and support another fantastic female entrepreneur. Thank you for listening and joining us. I hope this has made your business just a little bit better.